0: Hey, Blackhawk Church, welcome. Thanks for joining us uh, online. And those of you who are part of our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, Dijong Zime Ping An. So uh, today's message is the second in the four-part Advent series. And let me remind you about the themes that we're talking about uh, in this series. Last week, I talked about hope. Today, I'm going to talk about peace. Next week, Pastor Charles will talk about joy. And then the week after that, Pastor Matt will talk about uh, love. But for today's talk, uh, my job is to talk about peace. So peace in the Bible is a huge uh, concept. I mean, it's a massive theme in the Bible that starts uh, from the beginning, is in the middle, and is uh, all the way at the end. So in order to help us think a little bit about the biblical and theological concept of peace... I thought we would watch what my friend Tim Mackey from the Bible Project
1: says about peace. Watch this. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And In the New Testament, the Greek word is eirene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that is complex with lots of pieces that is in a state of completeness, wholeness. It is like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole, it needs to be restored. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Erene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say, Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be, but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work. Because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Okay, that
0: video is a little longer than normally uh, that we show around here, but I wanted to show you that uh, video from the Bible Project for two reasons. First reason is this. If you know anyone named Irene, make sure you go to her and say that her name comes from Irene. And it means, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> That's probably arrogant on your part, and she probably already knows that, uh, actually. Now, the reason I wanted to show that video was this. Uh, Tim has the ability to compact a lot of things uh, in a very short amount of space and cover huge uh, topics and the second reason I wanted to show that is that some of you might be new to Blackhawk Church and you might be new to the whole idea of the Bible Project so I just want you to Google uh, the Bible Project uh, after this uh, because the Bible project is what a, what a gift it is uh, to really the world, uh, Tim was on our staff uh, several years ago, he was on our teaching team for uh, three years aren 't we glad that Tim left Blackhawk Church? you guys I mean there 's like over two million followers of, uh, or uh, two million subscribers on the YouTube channel to Bible Project. If you've never heard of the Bible Project, you can just go to the Bible Project. He covers every single book uh, in the Bible and all kinds of theological concepts too. So I just wanted you to be aware of that uh, tool. So what's my job? My job today is to talk about this big concept of peace. So you got an idea that the the theme is, is it's massive. So I only have 28... Uh, minutes and 46 seconds to your left in the talk. So I decided what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to talk about just two things. I want to give you the big picture of peace. And then how do we, how do we fit in that big picture of peace? All right, here's the big picture. In the beginning, God created uh, everything. And when God created everything, there was perfect peace, love, justice, faithfulness. It was the Garden of Eden. Everything was perfect. There was a perfect relationship between human beings and God. There was a perfect relationship between human beings and the created order. And there was a perfect relationship between the created order and the creator. Everything was perfect. But then... Uh, human beings thought they had a better idea on how to run things, and sin came into the world. And then disorder and a lack of peace, lack of justice, all kinds of awful things came into the world because sin entered into the world. But instead of just like wiping the world out, God decided to uh, send someone to rescue uh, the world. And God decided to send that rescuer through one family. And that family was the family of Abraham. And in Abraham's line, that's how God would one day send this Prince of Shalom. And in the Old Testament, we see these prophecies about the coming of this Prince of Shalom. Isaiah 9, Tim referred to it. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, what's the Hebrew word, Shalom, of the greatness of his government and Shalom, there will be no end. God wanted to send someone who would rescue the world and bring peace to the world. And in fact, when the baby was born in Bethlehem, that's exactly what the angels were singing about. Remember when the angels got the attention of the shepherds and there was this song in heaven? Remember what that song was from Luke chapter 2? The song goes like this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So the Prince of Peace came to bring peace, But it reminds me that's, you know, that's that Christmas song, you know, uh, about the bells, you know. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I mean, when we sing these songs and we think about the Prince of Peace and we look around the world today, Like, where is the peace? But Advent reminds us that God has promised peace, peace that would reign on this earth. One day, when the Prince of Peace uh, returns, he will establish a world, and there will be worldwide peace and faithfulness and justice all over uh, this planet. Isaiah also writes about that in chapter 60. I will make peace, shalom, your governor, and well-being, your ruler. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders, but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm uh, 85. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. Leave that up for just a second because... This tells us what the end is going to be like when the prince of peace comes, when he is the king of kings and lord of lords, when he reigns supreme, uh, there will be peace everywhere. Love and faithfulness will we'll be together. Uh, Where you have perfect love, you have faithfulness. You have perfect faithfulness, you have love. Righteousness or justice and peace. Where you have perfect justice, you've got peace. And when you have perfect peace, there you also have Justice And one day, that will happen on this planet. Advent reminds us of that. But what about until then? You know, in the real world that we live in today, where there is no sustained peace on the earth, what are we supposed to be doing about that? Well, the Prince of Peace uh, said that uh, we, his followers, should actually be peacemakers. You know a verse in the Bible about that? The Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Yeah, I bet that's not a new verse for most of us. I bet most of us probably heard that verse uh, many times. We are supposed to be peacemakers. But there's another uh, verse about peacemakers which is tucked away in the back of your Bible and I bet m- most of you don't know it very much. So uh, I thought maybe let's look at that one today. It's uh, his, his stepbrother, uh, James, wrote it. It's in James chapter 3, verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness or justice. I love that verse peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's got a lot of religious terms in it, right? Doesn't it? Like it's like a kind of a hallmark card you would give to like one of your religious friends, you know, like, Oh, you're such a good person. What's the context of that verse? The context of that verse right there is that James, uh, the Lord's got a, you know, half brother is writing to a church where people, can't stand each other. <laughs> There's quarreling and arguments like all over the church. They're like tearing each other up with their words and they're quarreling like crazy. I mean, it is kind of like, you know anybody that has an extended family that's kind of arguing about politics today? You know anybody uh, that, you know, used to be your friend but like they voted for the other party? You know anything about like conflict today? You know, like somebody is really in favor of like, you know, Biden and Harris and somebody else thinks that's a guy that's crazy. And then somebody else is in favor of Trump and Pence and, you know, did don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, how, how, how are you doing at the aftermath of the election? A lot of peace in the world, right? Some of you are leaning forward and you're going, is he going to talk about politics today? You know, I mean like I thought that was the talk a few weeks ago. No, here you go here. don't be scared. I'm gonna talk about not the politics of Jesus, but on October the 25th, I talked about the style of Jesus. And the style of Jesus is that he wants us, even though there might be lots of arguments in the world, to be about peace, to be peacemakers. Not to, like, you know, ghost our friends or get angry at them, but to, like, to be peacemakers about what's going on in our world today. We're living, you guys, in a world that is a perfect context for us to actually apply the Bible to, like, real life. So, like, how would we be peacemakers in our world today? Well, um, take your Bibles, if you have a Bible, and, and grab it. And uh, let's actually look at that James passage uh, in context. What's James saying in James 3? Uh, grab a Bible. Did you guys grab a Bible? If you don't have one, we'll provide it for you on the screen. Here you go. I got to calm down. Having too much fun. James three thirteen. Who is wise and understanding among you? let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have of righteousness. What's James talking about in this passage? Well, if you notice, he's talking about two different kinds of wisdom. There is like an earthly wisdom, and then there is a heavenly wisdom. And he spends a few sentences contrasting these two different kinds of wisdom. He says the wisdom from earth uh, brings a disorder. Did you see that in verse 16? Uh, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Write it down. Wherever you find disorder, wherever there's disorder, wherever there's a lack of peace, somebody's being selfish. Just write it down. So let's talk about disorder and all those selfish people out there that are so... No, 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 let's, let's do that. Let's talk about me for a second because I know a lot about disorder because I have actually caused a bunch of that in my lifetime. So let me give you an example of disorder in my home from your friendly neighborhood pastor being selfish. And I want you to know that I have my wife's permission to actually share uh, this uh, story. But my wife and I have been married for over 42 years. And I knew this about my wife when we got married. My wife, something is wrong with her internal thermostat. What I mean by that is that my wife likes rooms really warm, really, really warm. And uh, I don't like rooms like that. I mean... If we just let her run the household, it would always be set at like 80 and 90. She likes Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, that kind of stuff. I like Wisconsin and Minnesota and the Quetico. Okay, something's wrong with my wife's thermostat. I know that. So COVID happened. Did you guys know that? So my wife doesn't work in a building anymore. She like works at home. And so she can work in our house all day long. And then all of a sudden, Your friendly neighborhood pastor comes home and it's boiling up in my house. And then all of a sudden, I just start to fix that. And I open up windows and let the breeze come in. And it's like that is not how to be a peacemaker. Because that brings disorder in our house every single time. I don't go to my wife and say, Honey, I know you've been here all day, but I've come home now. Can I get you like a hundred blankets to put on while I cool the house down? Now listen, I I know you guys don't live in a house of disorder like that. I know everybody's perfect, but like my house now, we're all messed up. So here's the deal. That happens, the disorder, the lack of peace, because of my selfishness. Yeah, I know it's a silly illustration, and it's not about right and wrong. It's about preferences. And I know there are situations that we're all dealing with in our own lives that aren't about preferences, but they're about things of substance where there's a right and there's a wrong. But write it down. In every situation, where there's disorder, where there's a lack of peace, somebody's being selfish, whether it's in your home, your neighborhood, your church, your city, or your country. Where there is selfishness, there's a lack of peace. It's, it's not good, James says. In fact, James uh, says that it's like demonic. Do you see that verse? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual. It's, it's like of the devil. I wish we could have the time to look at all James chapter three after the message, scan your eyes up to the first part of James three, because he's talking about the tongue. He says the tongue is basically like a world of evil all in and of itself. It sets all kinds of fires on flame. He's comparing and contrasting in this chapter, the hellish wisdom versus a different kind of wisdom, which is not like the world at all. It's a, it's a wisdom from heaven. It's very different. Look at James. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness. Write it down. Wherever you see a peace and wherever peacemaking is happening, there's humility there. There's a submissive attitude that's happening. The people are full of mercy. Wisdom that's from heaven is submissive. Just think about the service that we're in right now. Just think about uh, the moment that Hannah had us look at that passage from Philippians 2. Think about the whole idea of, of what we celebrate at Christmas. The God of the universe, who's all-powerful, becomes humble, and he humbles himself and becomes an embryo and plants himself in the, in the womb of a teenage Hebrew girl. That's a picture of humility, you guys. And humility brings peace. It brings peace. Where there is humility, peace follows. All right, let's try to get practical here. Let me talk about a couple of tips for us as we seek to be peacemakers in the world today here's the first uh, tip we need help from God somebody say amen yeah we need help from God did you notice the way James phrases this Uh, look back at James chapter 3 Wisdom that comes from heaven. Yep, it doesn't come from you. No, it comes from heaven. If we were reading uh, some of the New Testament letters that Paul wrote, uh, he wouldn't talk about wisdom from heaven. He would talk about the spirit of God from heaven. That's what brings peace. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, fruit of the spirit. (laughs) Where does this kind of peace come from? It comes from God. It comes from God. And God wants to work with his people by the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to give us wisdom. But if you want to bring peace and you want to be a peacemaker, how are you doing with your walk with God? How's that going for you? You need to spend time in God's word. You need to spend time in prayer. You need to walk with God. And that selfish stuff that's going on, like throwing the windows open on somebody who likes the warm temperature, yeah. Uh, you spend time with God in the Bible, and you'd be convicted of even something simple like that. If we're going to be peacemakers, well, we need some help from God. Second tip is this: we're not in control of every situation. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He writes, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, if it's possible, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. Years ago, uh, during this time of year, my wife and I would always make a journey from uh, the southern part of the United States where uh, we were set up. Our our first home was in Louisiana, raising our family. We lived in Louisiana for 10 years, and then we would make these kind of migratory trips uh, to the Midwest for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Kids were small, and my wife's uh, father and stepmother were still alive. They have passed away now. There was always tension in the air whenever we went to their home because they were both alcoholics and they drank all the time, especially this time of year. So uh, on one trip, my wife and I decided that we, before they had too many beers in them, we would approach them and talk to them. We were not trying to convince them not to drink their beer. That's fine. And we actually wanted our children to grow up uh, knowing their grandma and grandpa. And even though they did something mom and dad didn't do, we want our kids to actually love grandma and grandpa as they drank their beer. But their beer drinking got out of hand about every time and so we moved towards justice and righteousness and we and very kindly we said you know can we just talk about all the beer that you're drinking what do you think happened with that conversation that <laughs> just blew up just blew up and they were already drunk and well we had people praying for us for that conversation and had all kinds of But it just didn't work out. But we went to sleep that night. And we really slept because we were afraid of the conversation. And we went toward it. And we tried to do it with humility and love. But they were drunk. (laughs) So why uh, do I share that story? Well, I share it for a couple of different reasons. First, um, we're only in control of what we do and say. We're not in control of what other people do and say. We're only in control of what we do and say. We're not in control of what other people do and say. As much as possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with Everyone. And we are trying to do that, but no, we're not in control of their, what they're doing in their life. The second reason I share that is because, for some of us, when you hear a message on peace, you think that peace means don't rock the boat. And many of us are living in situations where there is abuse that's happening, and it's happening in our world now and we think the way to be submissive is just to let that abuse continue so I want to tell you right now biblically speaking peace and righteousness go together you cannot have perfect peace without also having justice and righteousness so Sometimes moving towards peace means that we actually rock the boat. If you're listening to me right now and you feel like you're not safe in your home, call 911. Or if you don't want to do that, go to our website, And at the top, it talks about ministries and then click on that. And then the next thing it says care and click on that and fill out our care response form. And one of the people in our care ministry would love to have a conversation with you. Because many of us are in situations where we have no power in the home and we feel very vulnerable all the time. Peace doesn't mean not rocking the boat. Sometimes it means we're actually, in a loving way, trying to move towards righteousness. If you're familiar with what we're doing in Advent Conspiracy, you know that we are also uh, partnering with an organization, a wonderful organization in our community called DAYS, Domestic Abuse Intervention Services. And if you go to our, our AC page, uh, there's a video of DAYS, and you'll learn more and more about abuse in our community. Abuse actually gets worse during COVID because before COVID, uh, the abuser and victim weren't always together, but now the abuser and victim are often together in the same place and there's no way to get out of the abuse. Part of AC's uh, gift that we're going to uh, collect, some of that money will go towards uh, Day's. Righteousness and peace. They actually go together. Look at that verse from James again. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness or justice. And remember that verse from uh, Psalm 85. I love that. Uh, love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace Kiss each other. Isn't that a beautiful metaphor? Where you have justice, there you have peace. And where you have peace, there you have justice. We, as believers in Christ, have peace with God. Because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We receive his righteousness not because we've earned it. Because of faith in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. When we place our faith in Jesus, we receive his righteousness and then we have peace with God. And God wants us to use his righteousness and God's peace to be peacemakers in the world Today. How are you doing with that, Blackhawk? We live in a world today where people are at each other's throat, but God wants us to have the style of Jesus, to be humble, to be loving, and to be people who bring peace. Let's pray. Father, Uh, it's so hard and uh, just as i'm um, preaching this message i know there are uh, people that are listening to me right now that are not in safe situations and i pray father for uh, those uh, women or those men and i pray father that you would help them by the power of your spirit that they would that they would uh, be able to move towards justice and righteousness, that, uh, that they would know that there are people who support them and want to help them uh, do that. And we, Father, live in a world where people are at each other's throats over politics. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be submissive and to be humble, to, to listen to wonder why, why our friends feel so strongly about uh, perhaps uh, uh, the people that we uh, don't support. Help us, Father, to move towards those conversations with humility and love and to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. We pray this in Christ's name, really in Christ's name, <laughs> and for the sake of his reputation. God, help us to be peacemakers in the world today. We pray this in Christ's name. All God's people said, amen.